The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to have, I hesitate to say a fun time, but uh, I'm sure it will be fun because Tina Swithin, my guest, is a lot of fun. But this is also a serious subject, especially especially for her that, she, that she's, and what she's going, been going through. Um, we're going to be talking about Divorcing a Narcissist, which is the name of Tina's new book, Divorcing a Narcissist, One Man's Battle. She bears it all in her new book. Um, She's on a mission to save other women from the pain of marrying, divorcing, and fighting a narcissist for custody in the family courts of today. And we'll talk more about that issue uh, towards the end of the show. But, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of women can relate to this. Uh, I'm sure a lot of men can relate to this, too. They're probably thinking, uh, I know you out there. You're probably thinking, what? Well, of course, I wrote Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So, of course, I'm going to admit that there are some women who might well be called narcissists as well. But Tina isn't with one of them. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Now, before we... Tina um, honored me by asking me to write the foreword to the book, and uh, I received the book in the mail, and, uh, well, the manuscript, actually. It hadn't yet been published. It has just come out. Um, And it was a big (laughs) manuscript, and I'm very busy, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I promised to write this foreword, and now, look, I have to read all these pages. So I sat down to read it, and I was just swept away. I mean, it was a pleasure. It was, you are so, um, you know, I think you have a good writing style, but it wasn't really just that. It was that you're just so honest about everything. I mean, that's why I said you bear it all, and that comes through. And um, it's just, you know, it's it's just so true to life. that, And, and it's kind of like a, a mystery novel. You know, you, you can't wait until you read the next page to see what happens next. You really get, there's a momentum that starts going where you want to know, where I wanted to know what happened to you and your kids. And, of course, this battle is still being played out. But to the extent that we know what happened, at least, uh, at least up to the point of just recently when you finished the book, um, it, it, was, it was just a, a, a really interesting and an important ride. Um, so why don't you tell us, before you start telling your story, uh, about why, what motivated you to write it? You know, it really started out for me, excuse my voice today, Um, it really started out for me as an online blog, um, more of a journal to tell my story 
um, for healing for myself. And I really had no idea the amount of people who were going through the same situation. And so I, I decided to take my blog and turn it into a book um, after several people had mentioned that there really, there's a lot of information out there written by experts on narcissism, but there's really never been anything written from a victim standpoint. And I wanted to show that you can go from being a victim to a survivor. Yes, and it certainly, it certainly does do that. Um, you know, one thing, well, okay, <laughs> I'm so tempted to ask you, uh, about your husband's, your ex-husband's reaction to all of this, but we'll, we'll save it later. I mean, the only thing that, that, um, was, was making me think of that is that, uh, Tina doesn't usually talk like this. Her voice isn't like this. Um, but she was sick recently and, and it left her with this voice. And I was going to interpret to you as my, I always, when I have people on my show, I always put them on my couch. <laughs> so I was going <laughs> to interpret to you that, um, that maybe um, th- that the voice, your voice, has become hoarse because it's psychosomatic. In that, um, you know, it was very brave of you to write this book, put it out there with an ex-husband who's a narcissist and still very volatile. So, okay, I'm going to just ask it now, and then we'll go to your story, <laughs> and people will understand your answer better. Um, sure. But, but what, what has been his reaction so far? You know, a few weeks prior to the book going to print, um, he did take me to court to try to get the book stopped. And he, his defense is, or his argument is that um, the book creates a, a, par- a parental alienation. Hmm. And the judge didn't want to hear it. I have, I have a right to free speech. And I've been very careful in my book to not use my husband's name, um, not give any details that would lead anybody to know who he is. And, um, you know, I changed the towns, the occupations and whatnot of everybody in the book. So I've been very careful. Um, I'm sure there are people who know both of us as a couple um, who know who he is, and um, it's apparent, but for the general public, no one would ever know. But he he has not taken it very well, to answer your question. Uh-huh. Um, it's been an ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, well now let's, well now your voice is supposed to be cured because I interpreted this to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, so why don't we start at the beginning then with the Prince Charming? Yes. So, you know, I, from a very small town, um, had dated a couple of, of people, had very long-term relationships, and then took a break from healing or from dating and did a lot of you know, self-discovery, who am I? And then a year after I took this hiatus from the dating world, in swept Prince Charming, and he was everything that I thought I wanted. Um, There was a lot of romance, flowers, vacations, um, love notes, poems at every turn. And I, you know, he opened doors for me. He would never allow me to pay for anything, just um, a knight in shining armor. And um, there were definitely red flags along the way, but I chose to ignore them and kind of, I'm a very positive person, so 
and I try to see the positives in people and in situations. And, you know, I'll, I'll own that part of it is that I really ignored a lot of the red flags that were there in the beginning and focused on the positive parts of our relationship. Well, why don't you give us some examples of, um, because that, that was, he did really court you very dramatically, mm-hmm. which, uh, of course, was one of the red flags, <laughs> which you even admit uh, in the book. But so, so tell us a little bit more about that beginning part, um, the good yeah. things and the, and the things that you now realize were red flags. You know, he really, our relationship moved really fast. Um, and which should have been a huge red flag to me. Um, he presented himself in such a light that it made me want to be a part of his world. His family, according to him, was absolutely perfect. His parents were very well educated. They had been married for over 30 years. Um, coming from a, you know, being a child of divorce, that was something that was very appealing to me. And he sold me on just how perfect his life was and his family, his career, and everything else. And, you know, there were, he asked, asked me to move with him out four hours away from my home within about, I would say, about four months into dating. <laughs> and, you know, I knew I'm a very spontaneous person. And I really didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I had a job and I had a business, but they were easily moved. And um, there was, it was one of those things. I was very young and carefree, and this knight in shining armor was inviting me to this world that sounded so appealing to me. I jumped right in. And, um, you know, we, we moved um, four hours away from my home, and I was out of my surrounding, and and then my family really, really adored him because they also bought into the same things that I had bought into. And then it became almost when the red flags did come up, I was worried about telling my family the truth because mm. they were so happy for me and were so proud of this person I had finally chosen Mm-hmm. So at that point, I mean, it things started to, there were def- definite red flags, um, spending. Um, he would really, really try to impress me with money. And it, when you're dating, you really don't have access to someone's finances. So I just believed that he had all this money um, because why else would someone spend <laughs> just ungodly amounts of money? <laughs> without a care in the world. And um, so I believed all of these things, and and things, things moved fast, and it was fun, and there were a lot of ups and downs, but the ups outweighed the bad for so long. Well, when you, um, when you finally walked down the aisle, mm-hmm. or when he proposed, where did he propose? Well, <laughs> we, he had taken me on a vacation to Hawaii, And we were there about a day, and while we were eating on the coastline of Maui, he pulled out a huge wedding ring and proposed to me. Um, About an hour and a half later, as we were driving, he said, let's just get married tomorrow. Let's not tell anyone. And, yeah, 
I was in shock that he wanted to marry me and bring me into this life that I wanted so badly. And so we really, we did that. We got married. Um, actually, it turned out to be two days later on New Year's Eve uh, in, on the coast of Maui. We did not tell our family and um, put together a quick wedding. Was anyone there besides? Any- no. Well, we had a, a, a minister and a, um, a photographer and that was it. <laughs> of course, the narcissist has to have a photographer. <laughs> he had to have a photographer. He actually um, hired a video person also. <laughs> uh, well, you know, yes, all of those um, all of those things that you mentioned, that, you know, wanting you, those are such typical things that bad boys do, all kinds of bad boys, not just narcissists, uh, moving the woman away from her familiar surroundings, um, you know, this whirlwind courtship, um, you, and making you, proposing before you have time to really think it out or to get to know them and to really see the true person that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, of course it's easy to, to look at this now and, and, uh, and see all these things. But yes, so you were caught up, caught up. So talk about what happened. Well, I was going to ask you, well, but then you got, didn't you, was that the only, I can't remember now, was that the only um, wedding that you had or didn't you have something? We ended up having, um, we ended up having a big reception um, at his family's ranch about six months later. Mm. So by that point, were you still enthralled or were you beginning to have some, you know, was something sort of nagging at you, telling you um, that maybe this wasn't such a great idea? Well, we both worked a great deal, and um, and we worked, I, I would say, upwards of 80 hours a week. And so our lives were really not together for the most part. And then a lot of it, he, I ended up moving back to our, our home area and starting a business, and he kept his job four hours away. So for quite a while, we had a long-distance relationship, and that also is something really appealing to a narcissist because they can carry the lies a lot further and the facade. I've heard that a lot of women, that's how they get swept up is the long-distance relationships mm. because mm. they can lead a double life. And, um, and so the day-to-day things that would normally alert you, you really don't have that luxury. Yes, absolutely. Well, we need to take a break now. Uh, my guest is Tina Swithin. Her new book is called Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle. When we come back, we'll talk more about her story and what the significance is for other people who may be married and then divorced and then fighting for custody from narcissists. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Tina Swithin about her new book called Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle. And we're um, listening, we're kind of in the middle of, or in the beginning of, (laughs) Tina's story of her having been charmed by Prince Charming and now um, walking down the aisle. I mean, what could be more romantic than that, right, on the seashore of Maui? Um, and then, and then the, and then the truth, the reality starts setting in. So take us, start us off from there when, after you did say I do. Sure. You know, there were, um, the red flags that started really appearing in the beginning of my marriage, um, were things that I saw little bits and pieces of while we were dating. Um, a lot of bragging. He really bragged about anything. If, if you bought a new truck, then he bought a better one. Or, you know, if if um, any subject that came up, it was a very it was a one-upmanship, and it became really awkward and embarrassing in social settings. Mm. Um, I'm very in tune with other people um, in social settings, and he did not seem to be at all. He could not tell when people were uncomfortable <laughs> or when to. Stop. He didn't seem to care. And um, I found myself really embarrassed a lot. Um, if, you know, if somebody didn't like him or expressed disinterest, it was because they were jealous of him. Mm. There was always, it was always about him. And, um, and then his drinking was something that while we were dating, it was fun because we were young and we were going out on these expensive vacations and going over to Las Vegas for a quick weekend getaway and things like that. But once you're married and the person doesn't stop that type of behavior, (laughs) you start, it's not as fun. And um, his drinking was an issue throughout our entire marriage. And then, of course, you had, how many years was it when you've had you have two daughters, and when? How many years were you married before you had the first one? 
We were married in 2001, and I gave birth to our first daughter in 2005. And how did things change after you gave birth to your first child? Well, when we got married, even going back to Maui, we had decided that we weren't going to have children. You, you um, we had were, agreed to that. Yeah, we had we had both agreed. Um, I never I never had a, a huge maternal instinct, and he didn't want children. He wanted to focus on his career, and felt that his parents had sacrificed too much in having kids and that they could have gone a lot further in their careers. And that was a common topic that came up um, about his parents. And so we had agreed when we got married that we weren't going to have children. Um, My first daughter was a huge surprise, and I was terrified to tell him um, because he had this blueprint life plan and did not handle any deviation from that very well at all. And I knew how he was going to react. And he reacted pretty much exactly as I suspected. Um, When I told him that I was pregnant, he didn't say a word to me. He went, he's a a runner and he ended up going, I believe it was a 13 mile run. So he did a half marathon. Um, unplanned out the side door, and I didn't see him till much later that night, and then barely spoke to me for several days. Um, you know, and that's such a, metaphorically, I mean, the fact he was running away from, mm-hmm. from the truth. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I know I, I'm not telling things out of school, telling tales out of school or whatever the expression is, but you write in your book about how um, part of why you didn't, at, at the time or at the beginning, you, you, your mother had died, and um, and that that well, your relationship with your mother was part of the reason why you you thought at least at the beginning that you didn't want to have children. Absolutely, I never saw my because I never had a a mother for a role model. Um, the thought of being someone's mother scared me from a very young age, and the responsibility that went along with it. And I think I doubted myself a lot just because I, I never had a good role model and I didn't, didn't even know where to start. Um, when I gave birth to my daughter, I had never even held another baby in my life or changed a diaper for that matter. Hmm. Yeah, that must have been scary, especially since you couldn't really count on him for any help. Exactly, exactly. Well, of course, a narcissist having to compete with another person, you know, a little person, a child, uh, I mean, that, 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 that causes, when a woman is pregnant, of, of, I mean, it all, of course it depends upon the couple and their relationship and so on, but a lot of, a lot of men feel uh, displaced or feel jealous or feel, you know, scared, threatened by mm-hmm. the love that, that the wife has for their new baby. Uh, in addition to whatever also wonderful kinds of feelings, lovey-dovey things go on. <laughs> to be um, honest, there there's also this question of jealousy. Now, when there, when someone when the husband is a narcissist, um, that's quadrupled. Absolutely, and um, to be honest, I think a lot of it for him was that I was 
you know, I guess for lack of a better word, a trophy wife to him. Mm-hmm. And he was obsessed with what I put in my body in terms of food, mm. um, how many calories. Um, if I ordered a plate of fettuccine, I, might as, I knew I was going to get the silent treatment on the way home. Uh, and so for him, I know the thought of his 115-pound wife gaining weight and, you know, my body changing and everything else, it was, it was a turnoff to him, mm-hmm. and it changed our relationship from that point on. Hmm. Do you want to go into that a little more deeply? Um, you know, just um, he admitted, you know, in our divorce proceedings that he had not been attracted to me since I gave birth to our children. Hmm. And, you know, not that. <laughs> and why was that I, necessary for him to uh, bring that up in the divorce? Um, you know, I really don't because he's a narcissist and he likes to hurt people with his Well, work. yeah. I mean, I don't think that was going to change a judge's mind as to... No, no. You would be shocked at some of the things that have entered our divorce proceedings. But um, No, but a lot of it is, you know, the hurtful text messages that narcissists like to send and mm-hmm. just reminding me that my body had changed or that I was no longer attractive and... You know, he's he's a very mean and hurtful person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because you know, as well as kicking out um, because of you daring to divorce him. So go ahead. What has, tell us? Take us um, to that point again. So there, you had the child, and and how was he acting um, while you were raising your first child? Sure. Well, you know, it started during pregnancy where um, it was very confusing and it it wasn't, it's was one of the hindsight things that looking back, I understand it. But then it was just very confusing because sometimes he would act really excited. Um, and now I understand it was because there were people around mm. and he, you know, in front of anyone and in public, we were very active in our community. So whenever people were around and he had an audience, he was the glowing dad to be Mm -hmm. and was so excited and even carrying into the birth of our daughters, he, anytime in public, he wanted to hold them and it was all for show. And then the second we got back in the car to go home and then, you know, behind closed doors, when he would come home from work, my 18th month old daughter would run the other way, um, which really bothered me because I was very involved with mom's groups and I would hear about, you know, 5.30 at night, dad comes home and the kids are climbing all over him and mom gets a break for a few Mm -hmm. minutes and I never had that. And it was, it was very apparent to me that there was something wrong. Okay, and then how did um, baby number two come along? <laughs> baby number two was actually planned. Um, I, I wanted, I didn't want to have an only child and um, wanted to have my, my children two years apart, and it was very planned. They were two years and three days apart. <laughs> so um, Baby number two, it was the same kind of situation, um, very involved when there were people around or, you know, when he did go to uh, OB appointments and whatnot. Um, but by that point, I had a live-in nanny. When my first daughter was born, 
we brought in a nanny. And so I co-parented with a nanny, and we really didn't see him very often. Mm. Uh, Between work and training for races that he participated in, um, he really wasn't involved in our day-to-day lives. Okay, I need to stop you there um, sure. because we do need to take another break. <laughs> as I as I promised, the story is riveting, riveting, even to me who's already read it. <laughs> um, my guest is Tina Swithin. Her new book is called "Divorcing a Narcissist: One Mom's Battle." You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday, you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with Tina Swithin, her new book, Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle. So we're... uh, now, I, I want to make sure that everyone knows that we're just touching the highlights, or you're just touching the highlights of the book, that obviously there's a lot, a lot more, um, a lot more to, to read about and a lot more details and, and so on to, uh, to, this is just a teaser. So, so um, wh- what were the things that, what happened at the end that made you finally decide that you needed to get a divorce? Well, there were, um, the spending issues had spiraled out of control. Um, we were living in a home that was worth, you know, over a million and a half dollars and sometimes struggled to pay our electric bill. Um, we owned a couple of companies at that point, and I was watching him move money around, um, 
take advantage of people, I would say, would be a light term to use. Mm -hmm. Um, He was lying a lot, um, really treated our employees horribly, and then we had a major financial, um, our world fell apart um, financially, and he could no longer move things around. Our, our bank accounts were frozen. Our world literally fell apart. Um, during that time, he went into a completely manic mode. He was borrowing large sums of money from people that we, I knew he couldn't pay back and was selling them these huge tales on, on how he was going to pay them back, and I knew it was a lie. Um, I found out he ended up using his younger brother's credit for $90,000, mm. and his little brother was in college at the time. Huh. Um, so just zero remorse for anything, no empathy, and I lost all respect for him as a person through these trials that we were faced with. And I went to a therapist on my own. He refused to go, and she listened to everything I said, walked across the room, brought back a book, and said, read this, and it said narcissistic personality disorder. And I read the definition. I had never heard the term before, and everything that was written described my husband. It also described a lot of people in his family. And um, But still in my naive mind, I thought, great, we have a, a diagnosis, a soft diagnosis. At least I have a word to work with. Now we can get him help. And she said, there is no help. It's a personality disorder. There is no cure. And I left her office in a huff. I, you know, how dare you tell me that he can't be fixed? Um, and kind of we went into marital counseling together, gave it another shot. And when that therapist um, mentioned that he'd like him to do a personality or a psychiatric evaluation, um, Seth, my, my ex-husband, or my husband at the time, um, called off our marital counseling and said mm-hmm. that our relationship was beyond repair and um, we went our separate way. We separated at that point. Okay, and and then um, we tried to do a, nest, a nesting type agreement um, with the, with our daughters, where I would live in the house and he would come home on the weekends, and then that didn't work. Um, about six months into it, things became really, really bad and volatile. Um, I ended up moving into a women's shelter with my daughter for a couple of days because things became so escalated. Yes, well, that is, um, I mean, he, he sort of has a combination of personality characteristics, but that mm. is uh, becoming abusive um, is actually typical of someone who does that uh, whirlwind courtship and so on and isolating the woman from her family and friends and, and all that at the beginning, you know. Um, mm. So, but it, it's interesting that, and sometimes it happens, that people are so, um, they'd rather they'd rather destroy something else in their life than face what their own problems are or diagnosis or, you know, of course a narcissist doesn't want to be diagnosed as being a narcissist. Uh, they don't want to be diagnosed as being anything uh, because they're perfect. Um, so and, and, Yeah, and even, I mean, the doctor that we were seeing at the time was a Ph.D., 
And then Seth actually became more knowledgeable than him and tried to tear apart his degree and where he got it from. So it's from what I've read, it's very typical of, of a narcissist. Yes, yes, to, uh, to just go into a tailspin at the idea of being, uh, of being found out, so to speak. Exactly. Um, so, and then at that point, after a while, um, the divorce filings were, uh, I can't remember whether you were the one who filed first or he filed first. Um, he ended up filing the actual paperwork first, and he had it, um, he had plotted it all out very skillfully. Um, he kept telling me, you know, we'll just keep things civil for your, I need health insurance, and I was on his insurance at the time, and, you know, just kept telling me there's no need to hurry and file for divorce. We'll just keep things as is. We'll stay separated right now. And he waited for me to go visit my sister in Southern California for a weekend. And within an hour of me leaving out the door, he had moving trucks come to our house and completely gut our home of every possession that we had worked for throughout our whole marriage. And um, then that next Monday morning, he filed for divorce. And so it was very calculated that all of the possessions were taken and sold before we were divorced, and so I had no claim to them. Which, of course, was such a such an angry, uh, well, I mean, it was calculated financially, but it was also such a way of getting back at you, because even though he technically filed for divorce, he realized that the jig was up. Absolutely. And that I was moving on, and that, you know, around that time he had... You know, he had went and sowed his wild oats and, you know, did his thing and and was dating. And once he realized I was moving forward with my life, he wanted me back. And when I was finally strong enough to say, no, I don't want this and there's no manipulation that I will fall for anymore, um, which he had counted on because in the past, anytime we had a fight, you know, he could take me away to a couple's retreat or a vacation and make everything right again. And by that point, I knew it was temporary and I didn't want any part of our marriage. And so that's when things started spiraling out of control is when I said no. And, of course, that's one of the reasons. I mean, now we're up to one of the reasons um, why you wrote the book, um, besides, you know, warning women and, and people um, about about being married to a narcissist. It's also about the court system because that was a rather shocking experience, and is st- and is still a rather shocking experience. That it isn't it isn't like um, Perry Mason days. <laughs> no, no, and you know I really feel that the family court system is just not equipped to deal with high conflict divorces and and high-conflict personalities such as narcissism and, and other cluster B disorders. Um, it's, it's baffling. I mean, it took me almost eight, in eight and a half years to understand what I was dealing with. The courts just see two people who are very clean-cut, um, you know, very presentable, and both are wanting to be a part of their children's lives, and they don't understand how dangerous he really is. Well, yes. Tell us about some of those things that that you saw happen to your daughters that made you really frightened. 
Um, well, you know, I feel that his, his battle to um, gain custody or even partial custody of the girls really has to do with winning, which is so important to a narcissist and, um, and controlling me, which he has lost the ability to do. And so he uses our daughters. The more he has them, um, the more it hurts me. So I feel that that is the 100% what's behind his battle to, to gain custody. But, um, you know, he would take the girls, and my youngest daughter suffered from a medical condition, had been released from the hospital with very strict orders to never be left unattended. Um, he put her in a car and went into an elite sports club and watched TV watched a sporting event on TV and left her sleeping in a car for 45 minutes. Um, yeah. Child just, there's, there were multiple things like that. Um, the girls would come home and tell me things that were disturbing, um, things he would say to them. Just, you know, I've, I've worked really hard to shelter them from this, from the reality of our divorce. And he, you know, often tells, he calls me T-Rex to the girls. Um, he keeps, he kept for a while a big framed photo of our wedding picture on his fireplace mantle and my picture was covered over in tape. Um, just really disturbing things for children or anybody. Well, you know, a narcissist, um, when a narcissist has a narcissistic injury or feels narcissistically wounded, um, that there's a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of power that gets unleashed um, by by even even lesser wounds. You know, not just, not a divorce, but um, so I mean, the idea that you could be rejecting him was just overwhelming, and Absolutely. and that's what all this you know, putting the tape over you and so on is, and these continue the continuing battles regarding custody. Absolutely, and then when I started my blog. Um, one mom's battle back in 2011, it was a narcissist's worst nightmare because I started exposing him. And his whole life, his family has worked to keep their family secrets secret. <laughs> and the fact that I was openly talking about everything that was going on in the courts and with my custody battle, um, in a lot of ways it stopped his abusive nature towards me because he knew any attacking email he sent me would probably be posted on my blog. <laughs> and so it curbed his behaviors in a lot of ways, but it's also created a complete turmoil. Yes. Well, we do need to take another break. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and I'm talking with Tina Swithin. This time is going so quickly. Her new book is called Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle, so stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with Tina Swithin. She is the author of a new book called Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle. And she's been taking us along her journey, the highlights, some of the highlights. Obviously, I recommend that you get the book to, uh, to read it more in depth. Um, and one of the main reasons why Tina has written the book is to be able to help other people who are in similar situations. And so, Tina, why don't you give people some of the tips that, you, that you've learned? Sure. Um... You know, for me, one of the changes I'd like to see in the court system is um, is ongoing education on these personality disorders and high-conflict divorce because I think it's so important. Um, and along those lines, when you are faced with a court system and that is not educated on this, it's even more important to really have a team of people um, your attorneys, therapists who are familiar with narcissism so that they can all work together to convey the proper message to the court. Um, I myself represent myself in court. Um, I do not have an attorney. And so that's been, you know, that's been a real challenge. And, and so just um, if you do have the ability to get an attorney, getting one who really understands what, what they're dealing with is important um, some of the other tips that are equally important is don't engage a narcissist. Um, some of the emails that I get from Seth are just, they're so hurtful, they're so damaging, and it takes everything in me not to sit down and spend three hours writing a response. And you can't do that. You know, that's what they want from you is to, you know, hurt you and and they're good at it and so what I've really become skilled at doing is is reading through their emails and seeing them for what they're worth and I equate him to you know a seven-year-old child who is lashing out and um, 
and I stick to the main points. I don't get carried away in anything that any tangents that he's on, and I only address things that are related to the children and require a response. And even then, I only keep it to one to two sentences maximum um, because that was a mistake I made in the beginning. And then when all of those documents are submitted to court, you both look crazy (laughs) in the eyes of the court. Um, The judge ends up feeling like he's monitoring two toddlers who are fighting. And so you really want to be careful about what you put in writing and keeping it um, about the children. And then, you know, just staying organized and documenting everything, um, that has helped me to be successful in my battle is that I have kept such good records and documentation along the way, and that in itself paints a picture for the court um, because over time they start to see the pattern. Yes, you know, um, yes, all of those things are so valuable, and um, as a forensic psychiatrist slash expert witness, um, I do all kinds of cases, civil and criminal, and and including um, divorce and custody. And what so often happens, I mean, it's so difficult when when one person, and it's usually the woman, the the ex-wife, uh, doesn't isn't doesn't have an attorney because. Um, whoever has the attorney has the advantage because there really are all kind. You can't become an attorney overnight, you know. And yet you've done an incredible job with with uh, winning so many things. Um, I mean, it's been a very a big struggle, obviously. But but um, you know what what typically happens is that the man who typically has the attorney is able to um, push the woman into the corner so much that she does wind up looking like a hysterical crazy woman and then the judge tends to side with the father who looks like the same logical one when really um, so much of what he's saying and his lawyer is saying are, are really just smoke and mirrors and yet because the mother is is you know faced with the prospect of losing her children or at least uh, or having them be in a dangerous situation for too much of the time um, she does get more emotional and, and then, you know, often winds up with the short end of the custody hours because of, um, because of how, how mad she's been driven. And Absolutely. that is a, that is a really big problem that so many women fall into. I agree. And, and I think another important point is to really choose your battles. Um, I know when I'm dealing with my ex-husband, he will just fill court documents with every little detail that you can imagine. And it's really, I really have to sift through. And while I, my instinct is to answer and defend myself on every little point, I really try to focus on what the main points are and, and stick to the points that are about the children and, and let the rest go because you really have to pick your battles. Yes, yes, because as and you were saying all- at the beginning, because there's there isn't because the courts don't take the time uh, to to go into these things in in enough depth to to really understand a lot of it. Absolutely, and and then also really knowing your truths about yourself. That's been important for me um, because there can be all kinds of accusations thrown out at you in an effort to muddy the waters or project. Um, which is what narcissists are also good at. 
Um, you know, I know Seth has said I, that I'm an alcoholic, and it's funny to me. I mean, I have a couple glasses of wine a week. I work in a wine industry, and he has several DUIs, drunk in public charges. And so, but it's easy to get caught up in defending yourself because you, you want people to believe the truth about you. And so really being able to be solid in your foundation of truth and know who you are so you don't have to get caught up in the emotions of defending yourself. Yes, yes. Well, I want to make sure that we have enough time to give out uh, the information for where people can get your book. Absolutely. Um, Right now, my book is available on Amazon. You can just type in Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle. And it's also available on Amazon for Kindle. The Kindle version is there. And within the next two to three weeks, it'll also be at Barnes & Noble. Well, that's exciting. So, um, and, And also to help people how they can find your blog. Yes, it's onemomsbattle.com. Onemomsbattle.com. Battle. .com, exactly. Well, Tina, I wish you well. Um, this is just the beginning of, I, I know you want to help so many people, and of course this book will be a great way to do it because, uh, because as I said at the beginning, you know, you were so honest about everything and, and so aware of your truth and, and uh, uh, insightful that um, I think people will uh, relate to it and um, and be be interested in here and learning from your experiences. So again, um, people can go right now to the blog onemomsbattle.com, and the book again is called Divorcing a Narcissist: One Mom's Battle. Tina Swithin, thank you so much, and I wish you all the best for the book and and for your continuing success in your custody battle. Thank you so much, Dr. Carol. Have a great day and Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.